there's always an element of uncertainty into the year. We need to go into this with our grown-up pants on. Um, and I would say, yes, I think everyone should put their grown-up pants on every day. But I think that's where the challenge comes in with uh, being men and women of faith because our, um, our hope isn't in a, a future that we can control. Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast, where you will find and apply God's wisdom to your work. I'm Dr. Chip Roper, and I'm joined by Ken Kennard and Sarah Evers. We aim to inspire, challenge, and equip you to follow Jesus in the vocational dimension of your life. As we begin this episode, I want to thank our generous donors who make this podcast possible. We are grateful for your support. VOCA funders sign up to change lives by changing work. And if you like this content and want to partner with us to reach more workers, invest in VOCA. Just go to vocacenter.org give and join us today. Hey guys, so do we want to talk about cringy things or the end of the world as you know it? Well, both. I, well, I do think the end of the world is a cringy thing. So you're just you're you're just gonna you're just gonna connect them together. That's well done. I love a good mashup. When yeah. did you first hear that song, Sarah? The 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 end of the world song. I don't know. What year did it come out? Because I have memories of dancing to that with friends, which could have been in college, and it also could have been in high school, and it could have been at junior high fun night. So it's The End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. came out in 1987. Oh, so yeah, that would, have been, that would have been junior high, singing that at junior high fun nights. Friday night where the girls danced in the cafeteria and the boys played basketball in the gym. Now those are the good old days. Yes. And the men were not pressured to dance. <laughs> so I've done studies on this and I've discovered that only 30% of men dance maximum. Oh. oh. So if you're not a dancing man, relax. It's okay. You don't have to dance. You'll never be a dancing queen or a tiny well, dancer. Yeah, those but are like that, that's, terrible that's taking it in a whole different direction there, Evers. <laughs> but how you many... are trying for the most inappropriate member of the podcast team? <laughs> but that's you... not a competition we need to have. How many? How many of the seventy percent of the men who don't dance want to go to the dance, or end up going to the dance anyway? So that's got to be a lot. Like all my boys end up going to the dance, but. Only one of them likes to dance. So I have a dancing scar. So I'm not Uh-oh. a dancing queen. I'm the dancing scarred. Okay. Oh no. I I I was at the seventh grade dance, and this guy came up to me and he said, "Rope, don't even try. Just snap your fingers." <sighs> oh my god. Okay, so like this isn't a physical scar. This is a deep, emotionally wounding scar. It's a t- that's tender. Yeah, like it's like. Yeah, I'm done. But man, those junior high wounds are tough. They they go down you deep. Know. Those arrows so, go right to the heart. I'm right there. I'm solidly in the seventy percent. I'll lead the seventy percent. No rope. Oh. We gotta we gotta break that. We gotta break that stronghold in your life. Oh the next gosh. time we get together, we gotta have a team dance party. And you know what? Oh Anything goes. And if you want to do the overbite, <laughs> if you want to do the step left, step right, offbeat, like we love you for who you are. You bring your full self, your full yeah. redeemed self. Clearly, Don't you let two that need to leave the team party, and I need to be. I need, you know what? I'm going to go get COVID. 
from my doctor. What? Just like the Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that Saturday Night Live skit. That skit was yeah, so like, funny. Yeah. Get out of so, everything. Yeah. Get out of everything. Because when you guys do the team dance party, I think I'll have COVID. <laughs> Oh my god. Side well, effects. When it's on Zoom, You'll it have doesn't COVID. matter. Fine, I'll take COVID. I don't care. <laughs> if it's on Zoom, it doesn't matter. You can still dance with us. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I could yeah, anyway. So well, dancing is not our topic for the day. Or maybe it is because we're talking about how to how to dance through a bizarre year uh, that seems to be unfolding. And you know, as as we switch calendar years, we're recording this here at the end of January in twenty twenty three. And it's, it's always, I think it's good to think about, like, reflect on the year gone by, look ahead of the year coming, and most of us do that in some form or another. And as I've been thinking about 23 and trying to get my head around it, I keep coming back to this, this idea of insert, uncertainty. Like, it just seems like a year that um, it's hard to tell which direction, especially the economy, is going. And I think back to 2020, I don't know if you guys remember January 2020, but everything seemed great in January 2020. Like, it was it's gonna great. Be a, it's going to be a great year. And then it was like a year most of us could not, we really could not have imagined it. I mean, when you think of pandemic and mm-hmm. all the racial, terrible racial things that happened that year and the political upheaval, I mean, it was a crazy year. And um, so 23 seems like, it's all, there's already a bunch of flags um, as we head into this year. And um, economists have been predicting a recession for too long. Like, it's <laughs> yes. so weird. I, Barron's calls it the slow session. Uh, so it's like this bizarre, it's like, it's like we're crashing in slow motion, bizarre <laughs> economic thing. And there's, there's some more headlines in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday about uh, IBM, Dow Chemical, some of the other big, big other big companies beyond tech are starting to lay people off. But those headlines are a little deceiving because um, it's kind of like weapons for Ukraine. Like they make big announcements, but it takes months and months and sometimes years for them to be fulfilled. Yeah. And so when big companies say they're doing a reduction in force, it's like, well, that might mean they're, you know, they're they're not replacing people who retire or leave. It could mean, like, I remember when Amazon made some announcements. When you dig into the past, the headlines, you realize, oh, like, a whole a whole functionality they were trying to build into their Echo, Echo technology wasn't working, so they laid off that team. So they're getting rid of business units where things aren't working. They're letting people age out. And they are pushing low performers out the door. Um, so there's less grace or less elasticity, but it's not necessarily as bad as it sounds. Um, so there's that whole thing. There's definitely, I'm definitely starting to see some hiring slowing. Um, mm. we had a, a rock star student, um, that we've been working with who was all set up for an alliance, uh, a, uh, uh, final round of interviews with a great bank in the city here. And they just shut down everything at oh. the last minute, two days before, uh, his, his, uh, final round of interviews. And they've just Ouch. completely frozen, frozen hiring. So we're seeing, you know, there's a little fits and spurts, but overall the unemployment rate's still really low, and GDP, gross domestic product, was actually really strong at the end of the year, stronger than people thought mm-hmm. it was going to be. So it's this weird mix of economic data, and, you know, pol- politically things seem to have settled down a little bit, but we have divided government for the first time in two years, and so we don't know what that's going to mean 
more grid. Probably won't mean more compromise. That would be hard to believe, but it'd be nice if it would, but it probably will mean more gridlock. And then there's the security, the global security theme that I'm tracking too, because I'm obsessed with Ukraine and China and what's going on in global, global security arena. And you know, the nuclear war headlines have calmed down. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was a, a what to do in a nuclear attack public service announcement that was spread around New York on purpose by the New York by New York City, um, like two or three months ago, and it was like the last line of it was like, if there's a nuclear attack, don't worry, you've got this. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, like this is like this is disaster. Like this would be this would just. This would be really, it would be, it's unimaginable. So uh, anyway, but that's still there. And, you know, there's a whole, so there's the Ukraine thing. Is that going to escalate or not? Seems to be sort of settled into this weird state of stability. And then there's Taiwan and um, China, which nobody knows, like, what's going to happen. And so some people are always doomsayers. Some people are always like, it's no big deal. Um, But if there was a conflict there, it would be a big deal. I mean, it would be for a lot of reasons. So it's all like in the it's all like in the ether. So I wonder I wonder what you guys think. I wonder if you see this in some of your in either clients you're working with or just in general. Like, how does this idea that 2023 is at least starting as the year of uncertainty? How does that resonate with you? Well, the first thing I think of is that uncertainty is different from sheer optimism, like we had at the beginning of 2020, and it's also different from the doom and gloom scenario where you know it's going to be bad and sure enough it's bad uncertainty means i'm not sure um and what happens when people are unsure is it's difficult to make decisions and take actions and so we're sort of caught in a pause where instead of being decisive and moving forward in one direction or the opposite direction we kind of like are tentative and we're not sure what to do and so will do what a lot of my clients have been doing recently. They've been getting estimates and not acting on them. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, one of the themes in that word uncertainty, one of the, the ideas in there is this idea of doubt, right? So you, you're uncertain about something, so you doubt that it's going to go the way that you want, or you doubt the outcome that might be uh, predicted. And so this level of distrust and doubt, um, you know, the, the, a, a dubious outcome. Those are all themes in there. So I, I'm seeing that in people. Um, I, your example of getting estimates and not taking action. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that too, Ken. Uh, people want to see how things are going to land. And, um, and I just had, I just talked with a client who got approval for um, a development program and then found out uh, she was being let go. Uh, so one week, she had funding uh, to, to take things in a great direction. And then the following week, she finds out she's being let go. So that's, that is uncertainty in itself. You just don't know what's going to happen from one week to the next. Yeah, that's, 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 it's in the air. And um, I think, you know, as we think about like, well, what, what do we do with that, right? So, and where mm-hmm. more, more pointedly, where, what's God's wisdom for us in times of uncertainty? It, it probably... It's probably worth reminding ourselves that there's probably no other culture that's more addicted to the myth of certainty than <laughs> ours. Yes. That you know, C.S. Lewis said, you know, back in the days of the Vikings, you just never knew if a Viking was going to pop out of the out of the fog and knock you on the head. Like it was kind of like 
if you lived on the on the island of Great Britain, you just didn't really you, you didn't think that much about you didn't think about a secure future or making all the right moves so that everything would be fine. And you, you live with a lot more more certainty than we're uncertainty than we're conditioned to live with as uh, as modern Western cultured cultured or formed formed by modern, people formed by modern Western culture. Uh, so so I think you know it's time to put on our big girl and big boy and girl pants and just realize like this is just the way life is there's an element of certainty uncertainty every year there's an there's there's that's just the way it is we just we don't control the future um we can make some proximate go ahead sarah you're you're not i was you said there's always an element of uncertainty into the year and we need to go into this with our grown-up pants on um and i would say yes i think everyone should put their grown-up pants on every day but I think that's where the challenge comes in with uh, being men and women of faith, because our um, our hope isn't in a, a future that we can control, right? So it's not about, and it's okay to move into life with suspicions about the natural world, but we have this hope um, and confidence that comes from um, knowing that the best is always ahead of us, right? As, as believers, we know the best is always ahead with Christ. But I mean, that's not... That's kind of in the background of my head as I hear this, right? We live with suspicion, but we're not supposed to be, um, but we can also live with hope. And would we be better off? Would we be better off if we were more certain? I mean, that's just a lot of confidence, right? That's a lot of, you know, optimism, wishful thinking. Are we better off that way? Is that changing the outcome? How did it work for us in 2020? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a, I think there's a sweet spot in the middle. Um, one of my friends who used to be an Air Force general says no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Huh. But it doesn't mean you give up and run away from the battle. Yeah. It just means you pivot and adapt and you keep fighting. And um, so I think that there's a spot in the middle. There's like a, it's sort of, there's a delusional level of optimism. Um, and sometimes yeah. we make it pious, right? We, we say, yeah. like, I totally believe our best days are ahead of us. But I think our best days stretch into eternity. And so that's sort of creates a yes. lot of elasticity for a bumpy yes. ride in between here and then. <laughs> and, um, but I also I think, that. I think an overly negative, uh, outlook would be wrong as well, mm-hmm. uh, for multiple mm-hmm. reasons, not just eternal reasons, but for here and now reasons. So, so, so I have a couple, I have five themes I think that relate to this, that can attack and maybe uh, immunize us a little bit against this reality of un- uncertainty. So I'm going to throw them at you guys and see where you want to start our our, uh, our solution side of the conversation. So one idea is that we should distrust and verify. Uh, and I'm thinking particularly of the news in that, in that case. A second is that we should be prepared. A third is that we should diversify. We shouldn't put all our hope or eggs in one basket per se. Maybe hope isn't the right word because we tend to laden that with spiritual meaning and that's totally legit but maybe just we shouldn't put all our strategy in in one mm. in one path that's the diversify idea uh, a fourth is embracing divine opportunities in times of uncertainty and the last idea that i had on my list was that there's no such thing actually as the end of the world mm. where do you guys want to start let's start with being prepared yeah i agree let's be prepared what are we preparing for and how do we prepare and how does the bible help us to be more prepared than we would have been otherwise. I, I think right for out of the gate, we need to say it's not spiritual to be unprepared. 
I have to say that in my head again. Yeah, yeah you have to say so that in your head. There's so many negative words. It's yeah. not spiritual to be unprepared, right? Is that what? The- <laughs> yeah, because I think sometimes I feel that vibe from people like it's like, well, just trust God and don't worry about the future. And your know, worry is an issue. Like worry is not a positive word personally or biblically, but the idea that we just let go and let God and don't do anything to prepare for possible danger or calamity, like that's somehow like admirable level of faith, mm. I think is bogus. And there's a proverb yeah. that I like that says, the prudent see danger and they hide them and they hide themselves, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And it's Proverbs twenty two, three. Like there's there's a there's a sense that we should be prepared for the future. We should, we don't just ignore the fact that there's gonna be either challenges or needs. And another example in Proverbs that's held up that we're supposed to follow and emulate is the ant is the example of the ant that stores up food in the summer so that uh, she has plenty to eat in the winter, and there, it's like there's this forward-looking, anticipating what's going to be needed. Kind of, it's a value, and it's it's um, it it could become an idol or a religion. I co- of course, like you can take anything too far, but it's not it's not not spiritual to prepare. Here it goes, Sarah. More knots for you. <laughs> on one side of that, where you're trusting God and there's so much you can't control. And so when you're doing things for him, you're on his team, you're in uncharted territory, there can be this thing like, well, hey, we just can't prepare for stuff. So we're just going to trust God. And I'm, I'm, I kind of look at that and go, you know, really? You're, you, know, there's, there, you can't think about a, a plan B or you can't do a contingency plan or you can't check the oil in the car before you leave for the trip. I mean, I just feel like there's some some, some practical miss there. Um, and there's also a miss on the other side where all, you rely on your own strength, you rely on your own plan, the plan's going to get you through. You know, if something doesn't go your way, um, you double down on this take control, make it happen, sort of we are strong, we're going to do it, um, which doesn't leave a lot of room for um, God to work in unexpected ways and surprise us. Yeah, it's good. I, I mean, I think I have some practical things I think that this could imply with a potential downturn on the horizon economically. And it, it'll affect each of you, our listeners, differently. Like a downturn actually may be a time of great economic opportunity for you, or maybe just business as usual, or it could be really challenging in your personal finances. Um, but the idea of saving, having a fi- you know financial savings and having some financial discipline is definitely advocated in scripture. And it's, and it's just, I mean, all of us know, I think there was a stat that they got thrown around a few years ago that like over half of American households could not handle an unexpected $500 expense over oh half. And it's like, I mean, all of us have things that go wrong and it's so much easier when you have the money in the bank, right? And so part of that could be an economic contraction where, you know, you don't have as much or you just, it's not a good time to spend tons of money on big vacations or big capital. You know, it's just it's just time to be conservative, I think, and to make sure you have emergency savings. And maybe some of us don't even know how much we actually need to live. Like, how much do I actually need? You know, it just gets back to a budget. That's one idea. I think in, in careers, this is, a, this is not a great time to make a frivolous job change. Hmm. You know, if you're going to change, one of the things we like to, I like to say to my clients is, you don't want to jump onto a shrinking iceberg because you're going to be swimming in the Arctic. Um, 
So, you know, that's, that's this idea that if you are going to change jobs, you better make sure that where you're going is solid. They've got a recession plan. It's something you should be asking about in your interviews. And you just want to be really careful. Um, you know, one of the folks that we consulted on this whole thread said, yeah, it's actually, you might actually do better if you can stay somewhere and be the person who stays and adds value and kind of keeps the, keeps things together during a hard time. Um, and we, we had a post a while ago about how to talk to your boss about a coming recession. I think it's still really relevant and, and we're thinking about, um, the other thing, a third, third idea is about relationships. Somebody said to me before the, as the pandemic was spinning out of control, they they said people are going to remember how you showed up during this time, mm. and so in times of uncertainty, you know, you think through like, who are the most important people for you to have great relationships with, even in your work world? Like, maybe it's the top ten or the top twenty five, but those are the people you want to touch base with. And then the last idea, just I had on this was about preparation. Is you know, prepare yourself spiritually. Like, how do you how do you build some spiritual resilience? It's a topic we've talked about before, but one of our one of our friends suggested, you know, this is a good time if you haven't done it before to immerse yourself in the Psalms, because they're really they're painfully honest prayers. You know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, emotion born of uncertainty in the Psalms, and uh, they're a lot more interesting than most of your prayers out there, listeners. Sorry, because <laughs> um, they're honest and and but they're freeing. They're freeing because they're so authentic, and they're they're also hopeful because the even in the midst of our uncertainty, this is a, the psalmists are people that are, are hooking into God. So I don't know what you guys think of some of those suggestions kind of for, for practical things to do. Like what would you add or what would you want to double click on? Yeah, I think that I, I agree. And I, I, my husband and I sat down and had a conversation um, a year or so ago that we had moved and all the moving expenses had settled down. And just trying to figure out like what, what does it really take for our household to run? Um, and I think we were both surprised at what was going in, um, but more surprised at what was going out each month. And so we just, we sat down and figured out what do we really need? need? Um, what is what is six months of saving? Not what do we think it is, but what does six months look like? Um, and got real serious about numbers. Um, and I think that put us in a really good position uh, for the future. So knowing what our runway is allowed us to make some decisions about spending uh, with much more freedom because we knew what we could handle and we knew what we needed to come in. And as entrepreneurs, that's uh, we're facing uncertainty all the time. Yeah, and uncertainty doesn't just mean something bad might happen. It means that there could be an opportunity that you need to be preparing for as well. That's part of preparation. One of my yeah. clients was realizing that people were getting laid off recently and he wasn't one of the ones that got laid off and after the dust settled and they said goodbye and it was really sad and hard what they learned is oh there's there's an opening for someone with a higher level management position and he got a better salary and he moved up and and it was you know it, was just, it wasn't bad for everyone and he was just thinking oh being prepared means what if something bad happens to me but actually it worked out in his favor in terms of his own career because that created a vacuum that they needed filled. And uh, he ended up uh, being in a great position to stay, kind of what you were saying, Chip, about being the one who stays and helps right the ship through the storm. Right. Yeah. There's something there about being willing to do the work to know what the real numbers are. And, and for your client, he did the work to be to put himself in a position to have the skills mm -hmm. to be able to level up. Uh, 
And sometimes we get lulled into a sense of security uh, when we don't look at the data. And I think it's really important for us to look at the metrics and figure out what, what's going to help us be, be prepared in the long term. I have, a, I have a growing was, list. Go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. Well, you were talking about um, having that long term on, on relationships. I think just like people may have started reaching out during the pandemic, there is something really helpful about strengthening your network and to always strengthen your network, to always lean into your relationships. And one of my big encouragements to all of my clients is to just make a, a habit of setting up virtual coffees with people. You don't need to be in a place of need. It's even better if you're not always in a place of need when you reach out to people in your network. Who are those folks that you're, you want that virtual coffee or the in-person coffee or happy hour to just connect, find out what they're doing in their life and work um, that sets you up for the future with rich relationships. It also gives you an outward focus and insight into what's happening in other organizations and other industries. That's really good. I think I also, I've, it's just something I've said to myself I think God's answers for my questions are going to come through my network. Hmm. And they always do. Like the people he's put in your life, which is a yeah. lot, usually for most of us, it's not just one or two. Uh, his answers for you are going to come for them or somebody they know, like 99% of the time. So I think that's really true. I, w- I want to pivot to the opportunity idea. And Ken, you sort of started to, to push on that a little bit with your, your last comment. Um, because sometimes we think of times of uncertainty, like I think, oh no, I should just—I'm just going to freeze and do nothing. <clears throat> and hiring managers are doing nothing in some industries. You know, they are freezing and doing nothing. But uh, some of the most, some of the business people I admire the most—they—they uh, they are always thinking about how there's opportunity in everything. And um, as Christians, since there's a backstop of God's care and provision and peace in our lives, which are not. There is a hard-fought things to realize on a daily basis. I don't want to minimize, minimize that and make it sound like a cliche. But because it's a promise, we kind of have a backstop. There is a sense that we can relax a little bit. We can be creative. We can be open-minded and say, well, where's the opportunity um, in these challenging times? And I, I was thinking of three different kinds of opportunities. So there's an ideas opportunity. A lot of great ideas are birthed in adversity. And... Um, like I'm really excited that we started our our second business together during the during the pandemic. Like a lot of great businesses started during times of economic decline and you know turmoil. So I think that's really really exciting. So there's ideas opportunity. I think there's um, love your neighbors opportunity. Ken, you're mentioning like this guy that gets to keep his job, but like as some of his colleagues were laid off. Well, how does he help them? You know, how does he? In the very least, encourage them, make connections for them, and and um, and so there's there's more. And in God's economy, you know, having having love your neighbor checks on the matrix is actually more important than your your economic security. So I think there's that, and then there's a character opportunity. There's just always opportunity to become better women and men through adversity. We don't want to hear it, but we know that's true. It's like. That's where we're tested. Who are we really? That's where we learn deep faith, practical faith. Um, and that's where we demonstrate who or what we're really trusting in. So I, I just think there's lots of opportunity in times like this. Yeah, and, and what I like the most about ambiguity is that there's no script, right? If, if things are going really bad, you enact an emergency plan. If things are going really good and up and to the right, you know, you reinvest and you're invigorated and you get stuff done and you dream big and you go for it. In uncertainty or ambiguity, 
there isn't a clear path. And what a great opportunity for creativity, for innovation, for thinking outside the box. And you end up with getting to do things that you wouldn't otherwise get to do because everyone's a little off script. Yeah, and it's just taking a moment even. Like one of our clients, they're like, oh, Google's laying off people? Great, because we want to hire some great people from Google. Like they're not, they're not losing sleep over it. You know, they're not, and they're taking a risk. So there's like a mindset thing there where it's like, I'm not going to shut down my creativity and my outlook and my innovation. And there's a willingness to take some risk um, that makes it possible to get through a time like this, coming out the other side of it stronger. Which requires a mindset um, or a mindset shift for some people to be able to look at something that might seem difficult or ambiguous, depending on your personality type, that, that might be a real, a real hardship to have things not so clear. Uh, but I love what you were saying, Ken, about the freedom that comes when you don't have to live on script, when you can improvise. Um, and having the mindset that improvising can be good, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, that um, scarcity doesn't have to mean there's nothing there, but there's an opportunity to create. So uh, there is a mindset set a mindset that's required to be able to move forward uh, with with hope, with optimism, because that's what we're talking about, right? There has to be a level of hope or optimism here, because if you get yourself stuck in that downward spiral, that it's going all bad, then you miss the opportunity um, that God is offering. Well, that optimistic op that optimistic kind of mindset shift, uh, maybe we call it realistic optimism, or we could call it, you know. A, bibli a, a biblically rooted optimism, um, which is not fantasy, sky, pie in the sky, but it's, it's also not doom and gloom. Uh, this, this one of one of the another heading was distrust and verify, and I there's this proverb that I don't that like calls me up kind of calls me up short a little bit. I just think it's really in your face, and it says the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are bold as a lion, like. Peep, there is a class of people. They're not, you know, wicked sounds like a very judgy term. I guess it kind of, it kind of is, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, but they're like they're afraid of nothing. They're afraid of things that aren't real. Like they, they are paralyzed by, um, by almost like they're almost paralyzed by negative fantasies. Like that, that, and and there's these other admonitions about people that won't get out of bed, that won't try anything, that. Those folks are not complimented in the in the in the Pro Proverbs collection of God's wisdom, and they're missing out. And you know, Sarah, when you talked about that mindset set shift, I think, well, that that's right. And and um, there has to be this. And maybe we could call it under this heading, like verified optimism. And I think I think we fail to understand some of us still that news companies thrive on clicks and views and they get them by negative headlines and um, tech companies uh, app companies uh, are driven by getting your attention and distracting you from what you really need to do so it's an industry of doom and gloom and distraction I mean that's that it really is and, um, and we have to push through that and find um, other ways to have an accurate sense of what's going on, which comes back to that network piece that Sarah was talking about earlier, could be a good thing, you know. Like I know I have a couple of different friends, and one is one in their business is a, it's a parking business, and 
last time we talked, they saw absolutely no slowdown in economic activity at all. So they're like, there's no recession. And then there's another in, in executive search, and they're expecting maybe a 15 to 20% less activity this year than they did had last year. But last year was kind of a booming, booming year. So it's it's a contraction, but it's not a disaster. So, I mean, we all have different people that we're connected with, and it's sort of that what are you seeing question. But So I, I call this headline distrust and verify, and just don't automatically assume that negative news, news about the end of the world, news about the end of the economy, news about the recession, news about New York City being nuked, um, is true because they're playing with us. What do you guys think of that? Well, I think I think it all comes down to who are you listening to is, you know, who's in your network. You're saying that, you you know, having a robust network is great because it's a place where you can verify and that's how you get to this information. I guess that it brings up the question who's in your network and what what's their perspective. And it, it's challenging me to think about, am I surrounding myself with the kind of people who have the kind of perspective that that helps me in times of uncertainty and ambiguity it brings to mind a wise old pastor that i had in my life growing up and i just felt like he was unflappable you know when things were great and i was excited and jubilant he was a little more uh even keeled about it i mean he, he was he, he would celebrate but he it it, it just felt like it didn't go over the top and when i was crying and had a lot of angst and thought the whole thing was going south you know he seemed to be you know, there's options, there's ways to write things out. And he came up with ideas I hadn't thought of. And I realized at that time, like God was giving me a gift in my community of someone who could be that balanced, reasoned. Um, he, he was optimistic, but not like um, overtly optimistic. He seemed to be have this balanced, true, forward-looking. Um, and a lot of his friends were entrepreneurs and business owners. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, th I think, Ken, your point is well taken about the quality of your network. And this is a tough, this is a tough thing to, to do. But you need to step back and say, is my network in a bubble? Because it could be. You know, it could be. If your network is, uh, I forget what they're called. They're the, the people that build bunkers and stuff, and they're all prepared, like, for the end of the world. Preppers. Hold, yeah, preppers. If your network is preppers, well, it's probably... <laughs> You're going to be really into conspiracy theories and, and really negative things and, you know, so, so forth and so on. You guys, you get it. And um, I think that we need to think about that a little bit. Like, and I, I love, I also think that what you did with that pastor is you looked around and around you and here are the, who are the people I know. And then you saw in him qualities that you wanted and, um, yes. and they were good qualities. Like, you know, it's not like he's got the best bomb shelter. It was, you know, like. And maybe some of you need to emulate people with the best bomb shelter. I really don't know, but that's just not that's not where I'm headed. And I think so. You saw qualities in him that were were truly honorable, and then you got close to him. And I think yeah, that's a great framework for how we do this. You know, you look around and get closer to the best people you can find, and um, and assume that God has something for you in it. But I, I think that's I think it's really good. Let's let's uh, let's just end with one final headline, and that there's no actually no such thing as the end of the world. And Sarah, you kind of alluded to this a little bit at the beginning, um, with that thought like it's the it's always going to be better. Like technically speaking, the future is always going to be better. The best days are ahead. Um, 
There's a quote from Dallas Willard, uh, who wrote many great books, including The Divine Conspiracy, and it's one of my favorite. And I just I want to share it with you guys and see what see how it resonates with you. He said, "Standing in the kingdom, uh, we make we make responsible decisions in love. So there's preparation there. There's wisdom there." with the assurance that how things turn out for us does not matter that much, because in any case, we are in the kingdom of the heavens, and in that kingdom, nothing that can happen to us is the end of the world. How's that land? Well, I'd say it lands pretty, pretty well for me. Um, it, it, it takes me back to what a mentor told me, is that uh, when we walk hand in hand with Jesus, we don't need to have fear, because the best is always ahead. It's that same idea that we, when our mindset is that we are kingdom citizens and we can walk in honesty, bringing reality to the throne, right? Bring reality to Jesus and allowing him to tell us what reality is, right? Then we can make those decisions that we need to make. We can, we can plan ahead for the future. We can, um, we can walk with wisdom um, in the real challenges that we're facing, knowing that the best is still ahead, knowing that goodness and love surround us, knowing that heaven awaits. Uh, and when we have that mindset that heaven awaits, I think that we can, that it allows us to move forward with optimism because we don't have to get everything here. We don't have to have all of our needs met right now. We don't have to claw and scrape our way uh, through this existence. Yeah, and clawing and scraping our way is is us acting in our own power. It might be us acting with a lack of faith. It, it reminds me of um, the Old Testament prophet Jonah, who had a relationship with God. He has some faith. And then when asked to go to Nineveh and deliver a message to a people, um, what does he do? He, he looks at Nineveh and says, well, that's a place of uncertainty. That's a place that th that could go bad really fast. Those people don't like me. They don't like God. They're not going to want my message. I'm not going to be well received. Me, me, me. <laughs> and he's looking at how that could go well or not for him. And that is not making a responsible decision in love, as Dallas Willard says in the quote. Um, he doesn't have assurance that things are going to turn out well for him, no matter the outcome in Nineveh, because he doesn't, his, his faith just isn't at that level where he can really rely on God to work this out and be acting in the kingdom. And I think that's, Jonah for me is someone I'm relating to, you know, someone who's like, yeah, I have faith, help my, help my lack of faith, help me get there because I'm often on my, uh, on my way to Tarshish out of self-protection and out of control and things that I feel like are, are within my realm of, of preparation. That's really good. Sarah, you had some more thoughts on just how we land on this topic. Well, I was thinking about, uh, about the theme of prudence, which is what came to mind when I was thinking about our topic for today, the idea of moving forward in prudence. And I think prudence has a bad, has a, has a bad reputation in today's culture, right? Nobody Sounds wants like to be a prude. like the name of the church lady. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it used to be a popular name, but it's not anymore. Yeah. And yeah. nobody wants to be seen as prudent. And we think of it as... as um, uh, as teetotaling or, um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not a word that we, we, we use very often, but so I, I got my head in this space of thinking about, well, what is prudence? And, you know, it's, it's just the exercise of good judgment. 
Right. Prudence is all about the exercise of good judgment, um, shrewdness in the management of our affairs, and understanding um, how to use our resources well. So somehow our culture has poo-pooed this idea, this concept, but we see it all the time in Proverbs. Now, my mom's um, prescription for a bad day was five psalms and a proverb, um, you know, affirming what you said earlier about how psalms really touched our hearts. But yeah, five psalms and a proverbs, and you see prudence sprinkled throughout the proverbs about how um, prudence will overlook um, an insult, and the prudent person gives thought to their footsteps. And and we even see this in um, the ancients of the faith, the, the early writers in faith. So we see this in um, Thomas Aquinas, who talked about how prudence has three elements to it, that we take counsel, that we judge soundly, and then, as he says, we command employment or we take action. So if we're going to walk in prudence, we're going to get the in insight from other people and listen to other people's perspective, and then we're going to make um, disciplined, reasoned decisions, and then we're going to take action on it. And then St. Ignatius of Loyola says that prudence has two eyes, one that foresees uh, what one has to do and the other that examines afterwards what one has done. Um, and so you combine that with Aristotle's thoughts on prudence, and that's his thought was the right reason applied to practice. Um, and so I, I, what I'm getting out of our conversation today is this idea that we need to apply right reason to our practice. We need to think ahead, plan ahead, have an eye on the future and an eye to evaluate where we're going. That's great. That's a great word because it's, it's like this balance that we've been flirting with in this whole conversation. So not over prep or trust and prep, but not under, um, not doom and gloom, seeing the opportunity, but also not like running ahead into a wall, you know, like, so it's that, it's that great balance. And um, so with all that, I might as well close the two things I heard this week that I think just kind of not, I think Sarah, you've nailed the practice part of it. It's the practices of prudence. And I think there's a couple of emotional things that, that are good words for us too. So Bob Dahl, our friend who every year makes 10 predictions about what's going to happen with the economy. And he's immersed in this all the time. You can read his commentary, his financial commentary online. So Bob said, in short, don't panic. God's in control. Like that's, that's like, that's what you need to know. Don't panic. So that's the negative that you're steering clear of. And uh, I was on a call with John Hart, who's at Praxis, and John's like, you know, if we really believe all that God, God has done for us, we should just leave it all in the field. And so that's that freedom to think creative. Like, if you're being prudent and you've got a budget and you know what's going on and you know, like, like you're, you're, you're dialed into the facts of your situation, then you can leave it all in the field. You can be, leave it all in the field to love your neighbors who maybe are in a more challenging situation than you. Or you can leave it all in the field to come up with a new product or business or solution idea and just roll that out there or you, know, you can leave it all in the field and reach out to your network and be an encourager actually you're just doing it to help them uh, so th but you can leave it all in the field I, I think those are two two great great kind of there are more cheers you know um, I don't know if there is a prudence cheer but it's really important so I totally agree with you on that but I think you know don't panic and leave it all in the field and uh, because God God has because you're in God's hands and and, and that's the answer to uncertainty. Hey, thanks for listening. As we close this episode, I'm going to use the H word, help. First, help us help you. Do you want to grow in your effectiveness as a worker and leader? Are you wondering if you are in the right job or career? Maybe you lead a team and wonder how to make that team better. 
Go to vocacenter.org slash consult for an easy scheduling link and book your appointment with one of our great coaches today. We're ready to help you. Second, help us help others. This podcast is brought to you by generous donors who change lives by changing work through their investment at Voca. If you like this content and want to partner with us to reach more workers, donate to Voca. Go to vocacenter.org slash give and begin your partnership today. We'll see you next time on the VOCA podcast, where we help you build resilient faith at work. Mm-hmm.